You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me today is Nash Fuller. Now, Nash is pretty new to hunting. He's got a couple seasons under his belt, but I'm excited to talk to him and see how that's been because as someone who grew up hunting, who whitetail hunted their whole life, came from a hunting family, there's a lot of things that I overlook and I might not put a lot of thought into when it comes to hunting and interacting with other people, finding property, things like that. And so we're going to dive into this. If if it's your first time or first season hunting or early on, you're probably going to be able to relate to a lot of the stuff that we talk about on today's show. And Nash is in a phenomenal state if he's just getting into whitetail hunting. He's in Iowa. If you know anything about Iowa, it produces some amazing deer. They've got great deer numbers. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all that good stuff. So let's jump into this episode with Nash. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today is Nash Fuller. Um, got an email about you being a guest on the show, and I was like, absolutely, you just got into hunting, and so... Uh, I've had a couple people who have gotten into hunting fairly recently, but I always love hearing the experience, what it is that caused people to get into the sport, and uh, I'm excited to have you on, man. So thanks for joining. Yeah, no problem. Um, before we jump into the meat of the program, would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, um, what kind of outdoor activities you grew up doing? Um, I basically, I grew up fishing with my uncles and my cousins and I did that most of my life and then <clears throat> once I got older I was 26 when I got my bow I think and I just really wanted to get into archery again because I had like literally a kid's longbow when I was like 12 so it was just something I always wanted to do again 
So I just picked up a compound bow and started watching YouTube videos and just decided to get all everything I needed done, like my hunter's safety, and just give it a try. Yeah. So you started, you grew up fishing. What yes. What was it that you fished for? Were you a bass fisherman, or are we talking like bluegill, crappie, walleye, pike? Uh, my uncles mainly fished. My uncles, my aunts, and them, they usually just fish for catfish. But my whole life, I've just pretty much just been the person that I don't really go for a specific species. I live literally right along the Mississippi. So without a boat, it's kind of hard to really guess what you're doing anyway. So I'll fish for whatever I can get. I really only eat catfish yeah. out of the river. But I've tried bluegill. It's not terrible. What I catfishing is probably the type of fishing that I have the least experience with. We went and sat one night, me and my buddies on a local, like tiny Lake. He caught one catfish and then we set jugs one time for catfish. And that's basically all I've ever done. And I think we also caught one catfish when we set jugs. Um, what, like what, what are your strategies or techniques for going catfishing? I mean, the same, a lot of people use the same type of thing. Uh, I don't really do the whole Kool-Aid thing. You see that like as a trend nowadays, people are soaking chicken and everything and Kool-Aid, which <laughs> I don't know. I've used chick, just chicken livers and chicken basically my whole life. I mean, I've caught them just throwing a night crawler out there with my kids just wanting to go cheap fishing. And so you do chicken liver, just chicken, not really into the whole Kool-Aid thing. That's one thing that we failed to do. Um, when we set jugs, it was very last minute. My buddy was like, Hey, I'm coming down to the lake to hang out. And we were down there for my buddy's birthday anyway. And we're like, dude, uh, we brought the jugs. We forgot all the, all the like bait. And so we're like, dude, stop and gr grab some raw chicken from dollar general on the way. Cause we knew he was only like 15 minutes and that was the only place close and they didn't have it. So they had hot dogs. And so we just like chunked up hot dogs and threw them on. And like I said, we caught one, but that was it. Yeah. Anything like that, that has kind of a weird smell to it. They'll definitely go for, especially if it's fishy. Cause from what I understand, catfish are mostly scavengers anyway. They'll eat like small fish and stuff, but they ain't out there just attacking stuff like a pike or something like that would be. No. So you can also just use, um, like if you catch a bluegill or something random, uh, white bass, whatever you want, you could just cut that up in chunks. And I've done that before too, but oh, nice. if you're fishing in like the Mississippi or somewhere that has snappers, you might get one. So just be prepared for that. Cause that's happened to me before. Dang. Pike and stuff like that. I, I've seen the videos of people like pulling up things they weren't expecting when they're checking limb lines and jugs and stuff. And, uh, the one that sticks out to me the most, this guy was like pulling in his jug and he's like, just pulling. He's like, dude, this thing's a tank. Like I got a monster. And all of a sudden this gator head just pops up right next to the boat. And it wasn't a small one. I mean, it was like a, a decent size. I, I have no way to judge alligator size, but just based off of the head, mm -hmm. I would guess it was six feet plus. And I can't imagine, you know, <laughs> just bare handing a line, pulling it up and here comes a gator. Yeah, I actually seen that video the other day. It was on, like, a kayak or something, right? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. made it even better. I'm like, dude, people, the southern people are just a whole different level of crazy, though, so. Yeah, I've actually had something like that happen to me. Like, I was fishing out of a kayak once, just um, 
I don't even know how to explain it. It was kind of like an offshoot of the river. And when I was back there at first, I was like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to start fishing. And then as I was going, it was really sunny and I could just see pike like half the size of my kayak. And I'm like, dude, I am not doing this. I was like, <laughs> I am not about to wrestle one of these things right now. And they're just everywhere. Like I'm seeing them like a couple feet away from my kayak and they're like at least two, three feet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good, man. I don't know what else is in here, but I'm not going to find out. That's for sure. Dang, man. That sounds like a killer spot though. I remember like it it, is. if we would catch like upper 20 inch pike, it was awesome. Like we were having a great time. But, dude, to have that many that are that big, I'm all about it. And it's cool when you see fish spawning. Uh, we we had that happen with Gar down in Arkansas one time. And I'm talking, like, five-plus footers that you would just see the tops of them coming up out of the water. And I'm like, dude, it would be so much fun. You could just catch fish all day and have some serious fights on your hands. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's what was going on there. But the, I'm serious. This is, like, pretty much... I would say a crick, but it's like two size times the size of a crick and deeper. So, but that's sort of what you're going on. It's like part of a like national park type thing up here. Okay. So there's like some walking trails where you could get to where I was, but you'd never be able to fish through all the weeds. But where I was like, I've never seen that many like pike ever in my life. And that they were all like hiding in the weeds and stuff. And I'm assuming back there there's a lot of bait fish too, so that could have been why, but I'm guessing they were probably spawning and getting out of the major part of the river to get to the calmer waters. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. I would uh I would definitely mark that day on a calendar, like when you went and go back there and see if it's happening again. Cause dude, if you found like a sweet spawning ground for them, just go and like hammer the pike over and over. That'd be that'd be a fun day of fishing. Yeah. And go up there in the winter and clear some trails ahead of time. Yeah. For real. <laughs> um, got to deal with all the bugs. I'm curious when, when you go out catfishing and I might ask a couple more questions about catfishing and then we can move on. But, uh, with my experience, it's, it's been like, if I go out fishing, typically, typically I'm catching something fairly frequently. You know, it's not like every cast by any means, but you know, Every hour, I'm catching a couple fish, probably. With catfishing, it just seems so slow. Uh, what What's, like, your rate of success, I guess, with how many jugs you put out versus how many fish you catch? Do you, do you have a good estimate or idea? I'm not even sure that here in Iowa it's legal to do the jugging. And on, on the river, I mean, the Mississippi, you... Like I said, I fish from the bank, so yeah, you could probably do some like uh, maybe like makeshift bank pulling type thing there if you had like a third line permit. But most of what I do is literally with a fishing rod. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not it's not very good. Some days are like the last time I went, it was kind of a cooler day, and for some reason there was boats everywhere, so the water was just moving like constantly. And that day I caught like four of them within an hour. And Jeez. I was only out for like an hour and a half. But the first lo- last year, I was in a spot that I go to. It's just a really easy to access spot if I want to go for like an hour or something. And it was the first time I ever caught a large mouth bass. And like I was saying, I don't have any way of it's my fish. So to me, it was big, but I catch a lot of catfish. And I, it was probably a two-foot catfish that I caught. 
yeah, the bass would just as fat as the catfish. And that was surprising for me because that place, because of how easy to access it is, I usually only go there if it's like really hot. Yeah. So this day I was like 90 degrees out. I was literally standing in the sun and the water was already super low. So this place is kind of like a beach. It goes like I could walk out probably five feet before a good drop off happened. So when I was, when I had it out there, that spot, I might get one fish in the hour that I'm there. Yeah. So getting those two decent sized fish that day in the heat was very surprising. Yeah, dude, there's, there's nothing like those days. I'm, I enjoy fishing, but I'm much more of a hunter than I am a fisherman. But on those days where it's just hot, like when you're, when you're getting hit at like constantly when you're fishing or you catch multiple big fish and it just doesn't seem like you could do anything wrong. That's when I really understand why people are diehard fishermen. Yeah, I don't, I can't call myself diehard. Uh, it was more of just a hobby. Like, especially I got an older kid that lives with his mom. So whenever he was around, he lived with me for a couple of years. So he'd always wanted to go fishing. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just kind of how it worked out. So I always took him. I went with my cousins and stuff, like I said. So it was something I got into more like literally right before I decided to start hunting again. Yeah. Like my wife right now likes fishing too. And she, basically we just want to go out there and be by the river. It's not that we really care if we catch anything. So Yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a good time filler. It's something that gets you in the outdoors, you know, during the summer, during the off season for, um, from hunting, but I'm really curious. So you had mentioned you had a bow early on and then you got a compound later. Was there an event in life or like talking with someone that you knew that made you say like, Hey, now's the time I'm going to get back into it. Or what was that kind of catalyst moment in your life that made you decide to get back into hunting or get into it to start, I guess. Into archery. Well, mainly I don't honestly know what exactly first sparked it when I was older, but when I was younger, like I said, my mom got me, they were out in South Dakota or something at, I have no idea. I was like 12, but she got it at this Indian shop and it was like a real wood bow. You know oh, what I'm nice. saying? Like hand yeah. carved is very like for my, me, it was super awesome. And then we went and got, at the time they were still aluminum arrows, like camo aluminum. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we went and got those fat boys and I had like three arrows and the first time I ever shot it, I hit like the little paper plate I wanted to hit. I'd say it was probably 10 yards was my yard. So it wasn't very far. It's not super impressive, but for a 12 year old that's never shot, I was like, dude, I'm going oh, to yeah. be an Indian. You feel like you Robin Hood. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I was like that. I just remembered that my whole life. And like, as I got older, I obviously met people like my sisters. It's going to sound weird, but my sis, I got a half sister and her mom's, husband was a hunter and when i was like 18 he was selling a bow and i tr wanted to buy it but i was too broke at the time paying my own bills and all that with minimum wage job so that was kind of the first time it ever slid by so once me and my wife got together and everything really got to be like top stable of my life you know i had extra money laying around all the time and i could actually spend like four hundred dollars in whatever else because once you you know how the rabbit hole goes you buy one thing <laughs> and then all of a sudden down the hole you go and 
yeah, I've spent a little bit too much now, but basically I just wanted to get into archery again. And I figured if I was going to do that, I would talk to somebody who knew. So I talked to my buddy at work who was a hunter and he was just like, Hey, I just got this bow from Tyson's and it's a cheap bow. Cause he never spends a lot of money on stuff like that. He's like, Hey, if I break it, I can buy a new one tomorrow. Like it's fine. Yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever. He's like, it's a good shooting bow. I killed it. My deer with it last year. And they got one right now at Tyson's. I was like, well, all right, I'm going to go buy it. Why not? And that's basically where it started. And then I went down to the local archery shop and took it in and everything, made sure my draw length and all that fancy stuff was perfect. Got a bunch of arrows cut. I got like a dozen at that time cut, bought just a normal wrist release and a target and just started shooting. Then the addiction begins. Yeah. And after I got to the point where I knew like I could shoot pretty good out to like 30 yards at that time I've already like gathered that I wanted to start hunting so that was kind of what drove me to keep practicing and get better and through that whole time I was also like getting my hunter safety and all of the stuff you needed to get done also watching YouTube videos on like stuff that I would need to know and tips on how to do it and then luckily the whole reason I actually started hunting in 2020 was because like I was like oh I really want to start hunting my wife was like oh well my aunt actually owns a little like 17 acres out in some random place and she's like I can message her and see if it's okay if you hunt out there because her grandpa hunted there before she died he died and that's why they have the land still and I was like, all right, well, she says, yes, obviously I already got my hunter safety. I might as well at least give it a shot. Yeah. And she said, yeah, she just said there was another hunter out there, you know, so don't fight about it or whatever and everything would be fine. So that's basically where it started. Dude, that's, that's awesome. I mean, to get into hunting and then immediately have a chunk of land that you can go out and hunt, like that's, that's a big hiccup or a big, um, point of contention for a lot of beginning hunters is like, dude, where am I going to go? Because yeah, you can go to public land, but that's very intimidating. The amount of other hunting pressure that you have needing to know the specific regulations for each individual chunk. Cause like there's places back in Missouri uh, where I hunt where it's like, it might be a couple miles from another public land property, but the regulations have are completely different. And so it's like, you really have to know your stuff, but to have private land right out of the gate like that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time, I'll say, because like, it was awesome to get to hunt there for my first year, but at the same time, it was a pretty negative experience because the other guys are not good people oh, like, no. at all. Like I'm a hundred percent sure they were poaching. Like any chance they got, they would make sure that like I couldn't hunt Oh, like, dang. I couldn't take my kid out youth season because they were going to be out there the whole time. So I didn't go because obviously I didn't want to lose access because they were there first and I didn't want them complaining to her. Yeah. And then, like, as the time went on, um, I, ex- I actually left my cameras out there through the whole season. Yeah. And three, two different times, my camera somehow got snow caught into the camera. So I couldn't see nothing. 
Oh my god! Each time there was snow on the ground, so you could obviously see there's no tire tracks. Then all of a sudden, when the camera's blocked, after the next picture comes up, there's tire tracks, and it's like you're not the smartest person in the world because I can tell what you're doing. Like, why would you block my camera out if what you're doing is completely illegal? Oh my gosh. So yeah, after that, I don't, let's just say I don't go there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be <laughs> difficult. I have not had any properties that I've run into where there's been major issues like that with other people. Um, you know, I, I definitely have my fair share. Like, Last year I went out and I actually haven't been around because we've been traveling so much. I haven't been around to see, but last year, partway through the season, I walked behind my sand into the woods because I wasn't going to be hunting for a couple weeks. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to walk back, see if there's any fresh sign or scrapes or rubs or anything. And there's a, there's a camera with what looks like three 50-pound bags of corn dumped out right in front of it. And in Missouri, you can't bait. And like I can't legally hunt. I don't. I don't know what the so many feet. Yeah, like it's it's you can't reasonably hunt knowing that there's bait or you can't hunt somewhere where there's a, I whatever. However, it's worded. Basically, I wouldn't be able to hunt my tree stand because this dude's been baiting deer on private land that he doesn't have access to, because me and my buddies are the only ones who have been given permission on it and. I've got pictures of this guy. I left his camera up because I didn't. I also didn't want to be the guy who like took his camera and then come to find out like, oh, the landowner forgot to mention that this guy is able to be out there. But I need to figure that out because if I go back in two weeks and start hunting, like I need to know if there's bait back there or not. Yeah, and if there is, sure. if there is, I'll end up calling uh, Missouri Department of Conservation and just letting them know like, hey. Don't know who this guy is, but he's baiting right behind my stand, and I don't want to lose my hunting property because I'm doing something illegally by hunting right here. You know, I don't know. I got to sort that out still. Yeah, that was something. That was one thing that kind of blindsided me when I started hunting more because, like, everybody in my entire life that I ever knew that hunted was an awesome person. Yeah. They'd give you the shirt off your back, all the good stuff that people say. And then when I actually started hunting and ran into him, I was like, okay, well, obviously it's not everybody. (laughs) And then like when I started going to the public land around here, like you would literally see like people trying to, I I seen somebody once trying to steal somebody's camera that had a lock on it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking my trail cam. I'm like, why are you using a wire cutter? It don't make sense, buddy. Like that does not make any sense. Then you walk another 10 feet and there's salt blocks. And then trust me, like I, one thing I would say to a new hunter, if you're getting into it, is just don't go to social media and read the comments because it's <laughs> literally just a full on war against everything, man. Like you shoot a crossbow, you're wrong. You shoot a regular bow, you're wrong. You shoot guns, you're wrong. It don't matter. Some, you're always wrong. I, I would just say, unless you're on social media for the sheer entertainment in the comments, like, don't just, just don't get any information or opinions from people off of social platforms because I feel like it's, it's with everything, but definitely in the hunting space because I'm in that space and like that's what all of my feeds are is other hunting content. You just see it so much more. It's like, oh, 
you shoot only young small bucks, oh, you're terrible. Let them grow, man. Let them go. Let them grow. And then you, you shoot a really nice buck, and it's like, oh, you're a trophy hunter. And it's like, yeah. what, what do I have to do to please you guys? Apparently, there's nothing. No, you just got to – if you as long as you're doing what they're doing, that's how when they're happy. Yeah. If I, they shoot a little buck, you got to too, man. That's just how it goes. There, You know how like with text messaging, if you're on a call, you can send like a quick reply that's already typed out. I feel like they need that on social media and just say like, hey, could you please write down all the rules that you've created that I need to follow? Or, or like, you know, have some snarky comment to them. Because, yeah, yeah you're never going to please everybody. And unfortunately, the the people who always seem to leave the comments are the tools that, you know, have some serious opinion about everything. Well, I think my biggest thing is, is like, I, I can almost guarantee you half these people that are saying this stuff, like let's say people that are like, oh, I just bow hunt. I bet you 20 bucks if you were brought up hunting, you probably didn't start that way, buddy. Yeah. Like, trust me, I did start bow hunting, and if I could go back, I wouldn't have done that, okay? Yeah. I would have just grabbed a shotgun and shot it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, the, there's There's definitely like a progression to hunting, and I don't know where in that progression people just become douchebags, but like, <laughs> I feel like you need to hit it at that right time where it's like, Hey, once maybe it's once they've killed like their first two nice deer, all of a sudden they think they know everything. Somebody just needs to be like intervene in their lives at that moment and just be like, Hey, don't be that guy. Nobody likes that guy. Um, I just, I think it's really funny. I get comments. You if anybody just wants entertainment, go and find one of the videos that has like a million views of mine and just go read through the comments and see. I love it because it brings more traction to my page when people just go back and forth. But just watching these like online text wars between two different people, oh man, it's one of the funnest things that I do each week is just <laughs> reading the comments. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd get. I think I'd just get too mad because it just <laughs> honestly makes zero sense to me. I mean, again, I'm a new hunter, but I'm a new hunter, and I can already see that we're getting attacked by enough things that we don't need to be attacking each other for dumb stuff like that. Like, who oh yeah, cares, man. Like, yeah, I don't care if you want to pick up a crossbow and shoot a deer at a hundred yards. If you can do it, congratulations. It's not my problem. Just don't break the law. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I tell people all the time, like, there's no one way to hunt. There are so many ways. Sure, there might be something that's more effective in a certain area or on your property. But as a whole, like, you can go and shoot a deer a thousand different ways with different strategies. And whether or not you believe in the moon phase or, you know, the barometric pressure or what your view is on scent control. And people break it down so much. You'll have two people that both shoot compound bows, they might both shoot a Hoyt or a Matthews, but one will just be die hard. Like, dude, you have to use a whisker biscuit. And the other one's like, it's gotta be drop away. And I'm like, man, is this really all you guys have time for? Uh, the thing that I always find though, I I've never had one of these negative comments or encounters in person ever. Like, unless I'm talking with my buddies and we're just giving each other crap about stuff. But, like, I've never seriously got into it with anybody about hunting equipment in person. It's always online. 
that's with a lot of things though, because everybody's big and wants to talk when they're online. But once you talk and it's not something you're going to bring up. Yeah. Like, honestly, like if I met you in person and we got to talk about hunting, I'm not going to be like, Hey, you better shoot a compound. Yeah. Otherwise we just can't talk no more. Yeah. Imagine that you're, you're you meet somebody at like a work function or at a birthday party and you're like, Oh dude, you hunt. Awesome, man. That's super cool. Oh, what kind of camo do you wear? Sitka. Oh dude, I can't talk to you anymore. Like, please don't like, you're not a real hunter. Imagine saying those things to someone in person and how quickly you'd get your nose broke, you know? Or, like, how dumb you would look. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even hit somebody. I would literally look at them and be like, I feel sorry for anybody in your life, dude. Like, <laughs> this got to be terrible. Yeah. Like, you just judge everything. Like, who cares what I wear? Yep. I would have said, like, pink freaking flannel or something just to make them mad. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the best is once you become the troll of the online trolls. That's my... That's a new favorite pastime of mine. But uh, what a what has the first few years looked like? I mean, I know you had that access to the seventeen acres. Things kind of went south there. You didn't want to. You didn't want to lose it. You'd rather kind of bow out before things really went sideways. What has it looked like after that? Um, well, before we leave that, let's just tell. I'm going to tell one story about that place that was actually good, and the reason that I didn't just give up right there. Yeah, was. I went out there a few times, actually more than I got to at all in the last two years. Cause I was out there literally every morning till like seven o'clock. I think it starts to pretty much get to where you can't see anything. Yeah. And I was probably out there 15, 20 times already. And then Halloween morning, I was just like, screw it. I've only seen one or two does, but it's Halloween morning. It's supposed to be from what everybody says. This is when everything starts to kick off, you know, first part of November, whatever. So it's like, I'm off anyway. Cause so I take off every Halloween just for, to do fun stuff with the kids. Cause I don't really like trick or treating. Yeah. So we do all the like daytime stuff most of the time. So we don't have to deal with the 7,000 people on the one street <laughs> because everybody goes to the same street here. So I was out early in the morning and it was like, most of the time when I was seeing deer, it was either like everybody, you know, right when it's starting to get like cool and sun's just about to set or right in the morning when the sun's coming up. So it's getting to be about nine o'clock and I'm just like, all right, I, I don't know if I should just give up now or wait until like one o'clock. I was like, I'm just going to sit here for a little bit. So I like pulled out my phone and just went to Kindle and started reading the Sand County Almanac because I heard it was a good book about hunting. So I figured I'd download it so I could read it. So I just started it. I was like reading through a couple pages and I'm sitting there and I start hearing something and I'm like, what in the hell? And I should preface this by saying I did have a buck out there that I seen a couple of times on my cameras that was decent size. Yeah. And just so happens, I kept hearing this noise and I look up and I was right on, I was like in the timber, but on the edge of the timber that led into like a, alfalfa field type situation yeah i guess you would call it they don't really farm it but that's basically what grows there yeah and i could not see it like i'm like i keep hearing this but like there's nothing but openness in front of me so <laughs> i should see it and then just out of the corner where like her grandfather's ashes were spread right behind this little pine tree outsteps the buck that i seen on camera and i was like oh this is it you know 
obviously it's your first chance. And I'm like, oh, this is going to go down. You know, I'm so confident. I'm like, I got this. This is going to be easy. It starts walking in and I already got a range on like my camera, which is about eight yards from the stand and that tree, which is exactly 15. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. I range it. It's at the tree. So I'm like, it's 15 yards easy. So I draw back. I'm like, all right, this is going to be good. I'm thinking it's at, it's got to be at 10 yards right now. It's only taking a couple of steps. Right. But it's like, what do they call it? Like dog sniffing type, you know, like trying to find a scent. It's on the scent of a doe. It's coming. And at the time I was just too in shock. I'm like, it's only taking a couple of steps. Well, I launched it for 10 yards, went literally right over its back. It took off. And then I noticed it run right by my camera. So I'm like, that thing that was at like five yards. Oh man. If I would have just paid a little bit more attention, he would have been smoked like done. Yeah. No problem. And just watching that arrow soar over his back, man, you, I can't explain the gut <laughs> feeling that you just get where you're just like, how did I screw that up? Yep. Like, I could have thrown a stick at this thing and I missed. Dang. <laughs> it was very depressing, man. but. Dude, the highs the and lows, experience. man. It seems like every, I mean, every bad encounter when you're hunting starts out as a good encounter, I feel like. You know, it, it just all seems, like you can play it in your mind. Like, there's no way this is going to go wrong. Everything's happening. Everything's perfect. But then, yeah, I mean, they duck the arrow. The range is a little bit off. You know, something happens with your equipment. Like, there's so many things that come into play. I've actually got to talk to my buddy Austin because he let me know a couple nights, uh, three days ago maybe, uh, he sent me a screenshot of his lighted knock as it hits a deer. He shot one, I think it was the second day of season, and he shot it too far back. He's like, dude, I let the arrow fly, and as soon as I let it go, it took a step forward, and it looks like he hit right at the back of the ribs or just behind the ribs. And I'm like, dude, there's just so many things that come into play when you're archery hunting. Yeah. And see, I already knew about all, a lot of those things from watching videos. Yeah. And I, I can fully say it had nothing to do with the deer. He, I was in a ground blind too. Let's preface that. I didn't have a tree stand at the time. So I'm literally on the ground, like right in front of him level. Dang. He didn't move. Like he didn't move until it could have touched his back. Probably like it was not, when it went over, at first, I was like, oh, this is on. And then I seen it go just too high right over. And I was like, and he looked at me and just darted. <laughs> he never dropped. He never moved. He didn't do anything. If I would have just noticed my yardage, and obviously it probably had a lot to do with my nerves because afterwards I noticed I was shaking like crazy. Oh, yeah. So it probably had something to do with that too. Yeah, nerves definitely come into it. Uh, what it- – so you had that encounter. Did you ever see that buck again? No, I don't go back out there, but I did find a shed. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I went out there because uh, after that, I went hunting a few more times, but then we got a big snow that year, and I just they don't have like a gravel driveway there or anything. So I just had an Impala at the time, and I could knock it in there to save my life, and yeah. I know where to park. So it was like probably – 
beginning of March when it all started to really thaw out and I knew I could get, I got an SUV by then. So I knew I could get that in there. Yeah. And yeah, right out, literally right in front of that tree I'm talking about, I found this ship. Jeez. Well, that's and I don't know how well you can see it, but. Dude, it's, it's not, got some length it's not on huge, it. huge, but. No, yeah. but it, it just looks like, I mean, was he just super wide? Because it looks like it almost fans yeah. out. It curls. Like he, I'm sure I got a picture of him I could probably find on my old computer. Like he was, like I said, for a first book, you wouldn't have been able to be heavier. Like he was decent, like big bodied, just the type of deer you would want to actually shoot for your first deer. Yeah. So once, once you left that property, then what did you start looking at public? Did you get another chunk of private that you could hunt? Uh, what um, happened from there? Well, basically at that time when I found that shit, I wasn't even sure if I was going to keep hunting. Cause like with that happen the buck part was awesome. I really liked that. But after like all the stuff that happened with like my trail cameras getting stuffed like more than once. And then when I went out there, I noticed that he tried to cut one off the tree and I was just like, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. And I did look at public, but where I'm at in Dubuque, there's a bunch of hunters and there's not a lot there. I mean, we got a good amount of public for Iowa. Yeah. But that's also not a good thing because everybody surrounding us that hunts that don't have private land also goes there. So actually before I started hunting out in at her place, because I saved that literally, I only hunted out there twice. And that was at the very end of October. Cause I didn't want to go out there a lot. Cause it was only 10 acres of field and the rest was timber. And I never went into the timber cause it was a Valley. Yeah. And I didn't want to scare anything out of there. So I always kept away from there and I didn't go out there very much. So the beginning of that year, we actually did go out to a public place here. And like the first day was the first, it was fine. Literally the third, we went back that night. You couldn't find a place to park in the hunting part. Dang. And I was like, I was like, I don't think this part, this is just, I mean, for a first timer, I don't want to deal with a bunch of other people I got to worry about. And I definitely don't want to be, because in this place, like I didn't realize it at the time. Cause I was only focused on archery season, but I was like, I don't want people out here with guns too. When I'm out here, archery hunting little did I know that the gun season that they can hunt there is like one week long. Yeah. At the time I wasn't focused on gun season. So I was like, I don't want to hunt here. If I got to worry about walking and camo and somebody's shooting at me or I got to <laughs> always wear orange. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like I said, it was my first year. So I was, still stupid and then i actually talked to my wife and she i was like i don't want to go there because like i I didn't feel comfortable taking like my oldest kid because he's new at hunting i'm new at hunting i don't want to run into some guy like we just had on the other property that's going to make him be like i don't want to do this anymore yeah so i talked to my wife and i was like look it's probably going to be expensive but i'm thinking about because it's iowa you're not going to just knock on people's doors because they're <laughs> leasing everything. So unless you know somebody, you're pretty much out of luck unless you're going to knock on, you're going to be driving for miles to try to find different doors to knock on for good pieces of property. Yeah, I know some people do it. I'm not good at talking to new people, so <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Anyways, we talked and she was like, yeah, that's fine. I'd rather have a place where like, if I want to go out and shoot a bow or something too, we can eventually do that. And I was like, yeah. So 
now we got a nice little lease that's 105 acres. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. We got it pretty cheap because it's not. It's not terrible, but it's not great. It's mostly cornfield. Yeah. Like there's 20 acres of just one section. That's nothing but wooded area. And the main reason I got it is because there's that 20 acres, which I never go to. I don't. The only time I ever go around there is if I'm going shooting with my wife or we're going there to sight in a rifle because they got uh, steel targets out there. Oh, nice. Kind of buy it. So I can go out there and shoot it. He, the guy who owned it before actually had a setup out there. So the owner was just like, yeah, as long as you're not doing anything illegal, just you're fine to use that. It's in a safe spot anyway. Just if you get hurt, it's on you type stuff. So that was mainly the whole reason we got it. And the guy next to us that like farms next to the property we own actually has like a 40 yard or not 40 yard, 40 acre food plot right next to like a Dang. 40 acre section of woods. That's sweet. So, Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that keeps that's the deer in the area too. And it does. It yeah. does. Yeah. Like that's why I said it's like a good spot, but a bad spot because there's not a lot of trees and there's not a lot of places to hide a blind. Yeah. So you kind of got, like last year, me and my kid were seriously, I don't even know how to explain it. Like basically he wanted to put it in the middle of a field. Like we had a blind in the middle of the field and I can't believe it freaking worked, but we had deer all around us. all. <laughs> See, once like, they get used to it and it just becomes another feature. Like, yeah. that's one thing that I've always been blown away with, with whitetail hunting or even with waterfowl or turkey. Like, once animals get used to something, even though it's clearly man-made, it looks funny, like, there's no way it's a naturally growing thing, they just don't seem to care anymore. As long as they don't associate it with danger, they're going to be right next to it or keep coming back. Yeah, which is, I was surprised by because, like, my oldest was the one that wanted to put it out there because I was he was with me one time and I was like, well, hey, why don't you pick where to put it? Like, I've taught you some stuff. You know probably as much as I do. Let's just go with it. We'll put it wherever and we'll see how it goes. And he's like, well, because at this time they had only cut half the field. So he's like, well, they got the food plot right over there. We might as well just put it in the middle of the field right here and see what we can get coming from there to the next point on their trip. And I was like, that's not a terrible idea, so we'll put it up right there. Nice. Yeah. What What's next for you as far as hunting goes? Like, you still have that 100-acre lease. Is season open there? No, October 1st. October 1st. Okay. Yep. So October 1st, I mean, that's coming up pretty quick. Uh, do you have any changes of plans or strategies for this year that you want to implement? Honestly... Um, I know there's a couple of trees, like, like I said, there's not a lot of trees like throughout the place, but there's kind of like a brick bed that during the winter is flowing or during the spring is flowing pretty good. And then once summer kind of comes on, it dries out and there's a few trees here and there. I think I could get my climber into. So I think I'm going to try that at least once this year. But other than that, this year, since. I know he's not going to be coming up that much. He already said that he didn't really want to go with me this year. He's got some other stuff going on with school stuff. And 
yeah, I basically think that I'm going to try to keep the same like idea, but instead of like just going with like he did, throwing my blind up in the middle of something, I think I'm going to put the blind up basically in the same spot I did last year, but I'm also going to hide because there's a little bit, there's like a break in the field that's like too far concaved, I guess you would call it, or more too much of a valley to like fill in. Yeah. And there's a few trees there with a lot of usual brush and stuff. So I think I'm going to sit kind of hiding in there too, where I usually put one of my trail cameras. Cause I always see a lot of deer going right there. And yeah, if they're on my side of the creek bed they're they can only get up to 40 yards. Otherwise they're on the other side and sweet. I'm not going to shoot that far anyway. So, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. I think, I think what, I mean, once you're on a property for a couple of years, you can really start to figure it out or even just watching it for a season or like watching trail cameras throughout the year, you can start to learn it and really understand it. Like when I first moved, actually, when I first got access to this property, I hunt in Missouri the whole first year, it was a struggle. It was like, Hey, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to sit in the tree stand, did absolutely no work, no trail cameras. It was just me sitting in a tree stand that was left there from the previous guy. And I think all season I saw like two deer. And then I started yeah, putting awesome. in the time out there. And, and I, at that point, I only rifle hunted that year, I think. And anyways, I had seen like two deer. One of them was at like 350 yards and it was a doe and it was like running. And so I was like, it wasn't even like encounters really. It was just seeing yeah. them from a distance. Once I actually stayed out there and got trail cameras out there and would do observation sits next to a fence line, it was insane how much different it was. And then it was like every other time I was out, I was having encounters because I knew where to go. I knew the deer habitat or the deer um, habits and their patterns. And it seems like every year the encounters just keep going up. Yeah. And see, that's one thing that I did change. You asked about tactics this year. I didn't put out any trail cams because like the first year I did, second year I did and what I found myself doing both those years is waiting on that big buck I seen and this year I just want to see a buck and if I get a shot shoot it like I haven't shot one yet I just want to get that done and over with I worry about the quote-unquote trophy hunting later and I mean personally I do think that might be one of the reasons why the like people are so like oh that's too little that's too big is because like nowadays you literally do get to see all the things out there you know yeah. what i'm saying so somebody can see one giant deer and be like oh why are you shooting that tiny deer when i seen this massive buck on your trail cam like a week ago like yep especially when people are posting that kind of stuff so i just figured this year i'd give myself a break and because all last year I seen this one good buck that I only seen like five times on camera. And every time I went out, I would see like another buck and I'd just be like, uh, I don't know if it gets close do I want to, or what if the big one walks around the corner Yep. and it doesn't help me. So this year I'm just going to go with it. Whatever shows up, whatever shows up. If he shows up, I guess as long as I don't miss him, maybe I'll take him down. Yeah. No, that's, that's the difficult part, like you were saying about trail cameras, and even with people having their strong opinions, like, oh, no, I've seen the, this other guy on trail camera, so I know he's out here. I'm not taking this small buck. 
in my mind, I'm like, dude, if it, if, if you're excited about it, if, if you're hunting and the only reason you don't shoot a deer is because you had one on trail camera, like I've had plenty of deer on trail camera that I have never seen in person. I've never had a single encounter with them, even doing observation sets. I've never actually seen them with my own eyes. It's always been through the trail camera. And so to put all of all of your eggs into the basket of like, oh, I'm shooting what my trail camera shows me. Well, unfortunately, you can't like prop your bow up and attach it to your trail camera to let an arrow fly, you know. There's no guarantee that you're ever going to have an encounter with that buck in person. Yeah, and that that was kind of what I was finding out that I was doing. It's like, I, it just happened. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. like that I actually cared. If I seen a dang doe come around the fence line out of the food plot, I'm like, hey, 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 dude, there's a deer, there's a deer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then you see one get close and you're all of a sudden second guessing yourself and you're like, oh, should I shoot it? Should I not? I think that without seeing anything that was out there this year, I don't know if that deer made it at all this season. I don't know if they're all tiny. I don't know anything. Yep. Like if a big one shows up, it shows up. I mean, I did bring myself like, I just can't shoot a spike. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I It just doesn't interest me. Same with kind of why I made the dumb choice of going with a bow. Like, that's one thing I'll, even my friends asked me, we're like, well, why are you going with a bow? Like you could probably find somewhere to, for somebody to take you like gun hunting anywhere yeah. for your first time. And I'm like, Oh, you know, cause you're naive at first. And you're like, Oh, this is just like the anti hunter and type people think it's like, Oh, the, you're just hurting these harmless animals. So <laughs> that's kind of how I thought I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like at first I was like, I don't know if I really kind of like these gun hating people, you know, you're like, ah, I don't know what, why you got to shoot him with a gun? You can just stab him with a knife, you know, like it's fine. <laughs> and then once you go do it, like I, I literally got a gun for Christmas from my wife. Cause she was like, here, you've been talking about wanting to get one. I got you a shotgun. So now if you want to get a shotgun tag, you can go shoot one. Like just, <laughs> just stop talking about it. And I was like, all right, that works too, I guess. I mean, there's certain things that are just going to be there. Not that they like rub you the wrong way. It's just not like what you get excited about, you know? So yeah. if it's, if shooting a spike is one of those things where you're like, no, you know, it just doesn't seem like it scratches the hunting itch for me. Or if, or yeah, if it's, if it's shotgun hunting or whatever, like I just got done on a hunt in, in Utah with my good friend Linnea. Yeah. I heard the first, first part of the podcast. Yeah. First, first hunt ever. I think the second part just came out today. Um, but I talked to her while I was out there and we had so many encounters with bucks and I was like, you realize if we were rifle hunting, you could have killed any one of these deer, right? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I fully understand that. She's like, but the adventure side of it wouldn't be there. You know, like the amount of work and effort we put into it, the fact that we wouldn't know these deer, like we got to know these deer in this valley in the middle of nowhere. And we had multiple encounters with a lot of them. And she's like, think about it. Like, day three, could have just shot one at a couple hundred yards instead of actually having these cool encounters. She's like, I don't know if I'll ever rifle hunt. And I'm like, oh, interesting. For me, I'm like, give me any season, any opportunity. I don't care if you open a slingshot season. Like, I'll be out there trying to hunt them. Yeah, and 
she's thinking exactly how I was thinking. And that's just, I think some people just think that gun hunting, just like I said, the people who are anti-gun or talk down about people hunting with a gun. It's like, yes, they're using a projectile. They can shoot farther away, but I will give you that same rifle, Smarty, and I want to see you shoot at 200 yards. Yeah. Like just anything. I want to see you hit a 20-inch target (laughs) at 200 yards, dude. Like, yes, it may be where you see easier. And like you said, you definitely don't get the experiences. Like I'm definitely glad that I started off bow hunting just because I never would have let that deer get in five yards. Yeah. I would have just probably blasted him because I could have shot him right in the center, taking his heart out done. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. But that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, Huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. See, I, I, like to use the, I like to use the phrase romantic a lot when it comes to archery hunting. There's, like, something, like, intimate or romantic about it, like, it, it's close quarters. Like you have to, you have to be right in front of the deer or have the deer right in front of you. It's not one of those things where you can shoot them from 200 yards unless you've got some insane skills that everybody needs to learn from. Exactly. But it's like archery hunting is dating a woman in person and like really getting to know her rifle hunting. I feel like can be online dating, Right. Like, you get some of the same experience. It's kind of cool, but there's definitely not that, like, closeness or that, I, I don't know, chemistry. I don't know why I'm relating this to dating, but I just, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. There's something different about archery hunting. I would say it's kind of like chess versus checkers, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Like, checkers, there's pretty much a simple, straight way to play the game. You jump people, you get a king, you get a queen. Whoever wins, wins. In chess, you can make one move, and that guy just ended your whole life. Yep. And that's just simply how it is. Like, you could go in a chess game for hours and hours and hours. Same with, like, half the deer I've seen. They're standing there at, like, 20, 30 yards. I can't shoot them because they're either staring directly at me or, like, not staring at me, but facing directly towards me or at an angle where I can't get a shot. Yeah. And then you're sitting there waiting on them to make a move to see where you're going to make your move. And if you're even going to be able to make a move or if it's checkmate, like it's, that's how I would compare it. See, and it's crazy to think like we're here talking about archery, right? And then you have these crazy dudes that are just like serious woodsmen who are into trapping and like, oh, yeah. we, you know, we have to have a deer that gets within 30, 40 yards of us. Those guys are getting an animal to put its foot in a three-inch circle. Like, 
that's a whole different level of understanding animal activity. And yeah, I mean, yeah. there's bait, there's lure, there's all this different stuff. But watching videos, like I wanted to get into trapping really bad a couple of years ago. And I dove down the YouTube rabbit hole of trappers and I watched these guys and some of them have like this one coyote that they just really want to catch and they just can't. They're like, dude, this coyote will flip my traps. Like it comes in and it knows that my traps are there and it'll set them off and it never gets caught. And I'm like, what the heck? Like it would just be so cool to set up a trail camera next to a trap like that. And just watch the interaction and watch the guy come in and set it and try to disguise the scent as much as he can. And then watch the coyote come in and completely undo everything. Uh, It's a whole different level. And for me, I'm like, dude, I want to send my son off with a trapper for like (laughs) months. You know, like, hey, just go learn from this guy and then come back and you're going to be the best archery hunter, rifle hunter, whatever type of hunting you want to do. You're going to be better at it just by getting this. Like, that's, that's like hunting... 601 rifle is hunting 101 archery is like 301 right yeah i i've thought about trapping too because out at the land i got now there's raccoons everywhere man like between them and the coyotes the last two years i was out there turkey hunting i seen one bird Jeez, and like it like i go out there shed hunting and when you go out there shed hunting in the 20 acres you can hear them and i've seen like a group of them come out during that time when it's not hunting season yeah but i just feel like they go there and they're like oh this is a safe spot like it doesn't smell like anything weird then all of a sudden the coyotes and the raccoons come out eat all the eggs and then they just disperse and never come back and it's like i'm gonna kill all you little things dude the predator control i mean everything about hunting to me is fun but once you can actually start isolating things that you can change about the property, whether it's habitat improvement or a water source or food or predator control. Like once you can actually start being an active participant in those things and being like, Hey, I'm going to come in, I'm going to take out some raccoons. I'm going to trap them. I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to do whatever. Same thing with coyotes. And then to see the increase in the population of turkeys or squirrels or rabbits, like that is one of the most rewarding things with hunting for me. I would rather see an increase in the population of a species on a property than me actually successfully harvest one of those animals. Like, I feel like it's so much more rewarding. It's a totally different level. Same. I Even when I go out, like when I first got out this property, I found two dead bucks in that 20 acres. And at first I was like, oh, man, this has got to be like a serious problem, you know, like there's gotta be coyotes out here just slaughtering these things or something. And after the first year, I realized that I don't think it's them. I think it was either the people that were there before me were too friggin' lazy to go find their animals. Cause I'm not kidding you. The one was a decent sized buck. Um, I think on my Instagram, you might even be able to see a picture of its dead head. Like it had a split brow and everything. Like it was a nice deer and yeah. like, after I found the skull, because it was still like winter, after I found the, we found the skull, me and my boy, because we were just walking down the little creek bed, and I look over, and I seen some, like, white that was not the snow white, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Picked it up, and it was that skull, so I set it next to a tree, because I was like, one, 
it's at least last year or the year before because it was already like brittle bone and all that it wasn't like a fresh shed or freshly shot so i was like i'm just gonna leave this here i'm not taking it home because i don't know what the hell's been eating in it and crawling around <laughs> so i just set it there and later on in the year i went back and i was like oh i'm gonna go see if like any of the squirrels or anything just destroyed that head perfectly fine still i'm it's probably still sitting there to be honest Dang. but i that's when i found the second one that was just up a little bit farther bedded like pretty much in the same area as this one was and it was just you could still see almost all the bones just laying there like it was laid on its side hmm. and i was like i'm guessing this was not a coyote because i've seen like they got a doe out there too and this was like right when I got to the property and it was in the middle of like a freshly planted cornfield. And you could literally see doe parts just everywhere. Jeez. I'm like, this was not coyotes. I was like, this thing is still like basically all here. I found its head literally right here. It was just covered in snow. Yeah. The rest of it was. So the only thing I can think of is somebody shot it and was like, oh, I couldn't find it in the 20 acres of woods. So I might as well go shoot a different one. Yeah. Dude, and that happens, just man. just old and died. I've seen people give up on deer really quickly. I mean, I was part of one of those hunts when I was a kid. You know, someone in my family shot one, and I was over there, and they were like, hey, you mind going and checking, checking for blood or, you know, whatever? And I got over there, and I'm looking and looking and looking, and I didn't see any blood. All I saw was white hair. And so in my mind, he had grazed the belly of it. And so I'm like, oh, you know, we didn't, you must not have hit it, or you must not have hit it good. Um, And I didn't do my due diligence by any means. And looking back, it kind of makes me sick to think about, like, man, I should have just taken the time to really search. Because the next day, we were up there, and he actually shot another deer. And as we went to look for the, or as we followed the trail of it, I popped over the hill and that doe that he had shot was dead right there. I mean, less than 70 yards from where he shot it. And I, I didn't do my part in like actually going and, and looking, I saw the white hair and in my mind, I just automatically, I mean, I was probably 13 or 14, but still I wish going back that I could redo that and just go and look a little bit farther in the direction that it ran. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know if it was from the year before or two years ago, but what I do know is the only reason I was, like, a little upset about it is because the guy beforehand was from Michigan, the guy who released it before, mm-hmm. and he literally left garbage and, like, just a whole blind and whatever he didn't want to take out there. So, like, this deer that I found was literally 40 yards from the blind he left there. Oh, gosh. That's why I was like, if you didn't find this thing if it was him that shot it he did not look for it like at all because i mean all you had to do was literally get out of his blind turn right or no turn left and walk about maybe 100 yards or not 100 yards 100 feet like it was not far because i found its head and his blind basically at the same time because his blind's obviously brown and the snow's white yeah so yeah, it was very strange. Dang, man. Well, I don't I, – I hate to cut conversations short. I can't believe we've already been at this for an hour. But before we hop off, I do want to find out – I asked this question to 
a lot of my guests, I haven't done it to everybody recently. I've gotten kind of bad at it. Have you thought about like a bucket list hunt yet? Or are you just so dialed in right now on trying to get a whitetail that you haven't really thought about it? No, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to chase an elk. Like ever since, I mean, I think that was one of the main things that kind of got me. I like to watch a lot of nature documentaries and stuff like that. Yeah. Just listening to those damn things roar, man. Like every time I hear it, I'm just like, I'm going to hear that myself one day. Like if my kids weren't young, I'd be out there this year, even though I've never shot anything. I'd just be out there walking just so I could hear it. But Oh, yeah, I've had yeah, that. That's the one thing I definitely want to do. That'll be next after the white tails. I just had a wild encounter with a bunch of elk in Northern California on the way into really? Redwoods. It was insane. I'm, I'm talking like elk within five feet of me. Oh my God. And yeah, it was it was pretty wild. They're they're a different level. I hear a lot of people for some reason, like the top two bucket list items that I hear are elk and moose. For me, it's moose. Like, they don't have they don't have the bugle, unfortunately. I wish they had like the, just the coolest mating call, but they really don't. It's kind of lame. Um, but but there's something about animals that size. I don't know why. Like the bigger the animal, the cooler it is, or the more intriguing it is to go and hunt. But yeah, elk is something I would highly recommend. Yeah. See, <clears throat> I'm just being realistic. Like. I'm, I just kind of know the steps I want to go, I should say, because if I wanted to say an actual, like, something that I probably won't ever do, but if I get a chance to, I want to do it before I die, would be something like, something weird, like a caribou hunt up in, like, literal freezing, like, you're an Eskimo type yeah. weather. That that would be really cool. I don't know how well it would, fun it would be at first, because it's going to be freezing. Well, I think but a lot of like people that, or like gator hunting that, that intrigues me too, but it's nothing that I'm going to do anytime soon. Cause one, yeah. I don't have a chance to go up to Alaska and spend a couple of weeks up there and freeze half to death with a bunch of little kids. And I'm not going to wrestle gators until they're old enough to survive themselves. <laughs> so. No, that's awesome. Uh, the nice thing about the caribou hunting is a lot of it happens when it's not freezing out. Like a lot of the big migration stuff is just now happening or is just recently getting over. And so there's a lot of people hunting them right now. And it might be cold, but you're not going to be like negative 50 yeah, it's up not there. Be super, super bad. But gator hunting yeah. is definitely intriguing also, though. I got an invite down to Florida to do a gator hunt and I haven't done it yet, but I have eaten gator meat and it is so good. And I'm like, dude, if I could go out on a gator hunt and have like a crawfish boil and a bunch of gator, oh, that sounds like heaven. Yeah. See, the, my biggest thing, like, I'm sure I could probably afford it in a few years if I really wanted to, because it's not, it's like a couple grand that I've seen from some outfitters down there, because they're pretty plentiful. It's not like we're running out of alligators anytime soon. Yeah. Or crocodiles. But I think the main thing is, is like, it's going to cost an arm and a leg to one, get it taxidermied and get it shipped back. And I'm not going to go shoot either of them a crocodile or an alligator or whatever you could shoot down there without getting that thing like full mounted in my man cave. Like yeah. I want people to walk in and just be like, what is that? Why do you got an alligator in your house? Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. I, yeah, I've got one story before we hop off and it was me and my buddy or me and my cousin. And I was like, dude, you should come out duck hunting with me. And he's like, okay, well, my boss had a, a garage 
that was like the whole first level of the house was just a big garage. It had a bunch of old horse stalls and stuff, but he had taxidermy stuff all over the place. And, um, my cousin was like, dude, can I bring my son out? And, um, he'll, he'll come and hunt with us. And if not, I'll just, I'll put him in the garage downstairs. It's heated and he can just hang out there and watch cartoons. And I'm like, sure, dude. So my cousin shows up to hunt. We're down at the pond and we're, we're not that far. I mean, maybe a couple hundred yards from the house. And all of a sudden we just hear screaming and pounding on the door from the garage. And we're like, what the heck? We get up there and his son is hysterical. I mean, he's losing his mind. He's probably like five or six, maybe a little bit older than that. But like totally, totally to the age where he could be hanging out there by himself watching cartoons. There shouldn't have been an issue. And so anyways, we sprint up there. What had happened is he at one point just looked up from the phone that he was watching cartoons on. And on top of the gun safe is a full mounted bobcat. And it's like kind of in the crouching, like about to pounce position. And he saw that and thought it was like a real tiger. I don't remember what he said he thought it was, but he thought it was going to attack him. And so he just lost his mind and that kind of ruined our duck hunt. But I'm like, dude, that's what you saw out of everything. I mean, there's like bear skulls. There's like, they did have a full mounted alligator in there. I'm like, but the one thing that got him was this like, 18 pound bobcat you know hey man don't don't lose discredit that's the word don't discredit bobcats man have you seen have you heard those things before? oh dude they're crazy like, have you been hunting around them because oh my god there was one when i was hunting like our first couple of days when we were out there i was just coming back because the first couple of times i went out i caught like the, my buddy from work and his buddy were like yeah why don't you come with us We'll split out, you know, that way if you do get a deer or something, we can kind of help you feel dress it, all that, blah, 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 which is still kind of intimidating to me. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And I'm back at the car, truck, waiting for them to get back because they walked a little farther than I did. So I didn't get my stupid self lost in the first day, you know. And I'm just standing there, and I don't even know how to explain it, but whatever noise they make, dude, I was like – Am I in the Blair Witch right now? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if somebody's getting murdered over there or if I should get in this truck right now. Cause this is it's one thing about being in the woods at night. It's not as comfortable as it is during the day. No, dude, the amount of just crazy sounds that you hear in the outdoors, if you're not used to it, there are some gnarly, gnarly sounds out there. And like yeah. even for me, I thought I heard a bear on this Utah trip. It turns out it was an elk. And <laughs> it was like the most it was like a, yeah. and I heard it multiple times and I was telling Lene, like, there's a bear right here, like right below this cliff. It's about to pop out from the woods. We're going to see it. And it wasn't until like number three or four that it went from that to, it went, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's an elk. Like I would have totally said like, there is a freaking bear coming after us right now. And it turns out it was just an elk that had the weirdest bugle I've ever heard. Well, that and eyes. Oh yeah. You the never eyes. Realize, like you never realize that in the dark, how many sets of eyes are actually in the woods or even an open field. Yep. Like you can get, I can get out of my blind sometimes and literally I, I'll know for a fact all the deer are gone because they mostly move in one herd. Sometimes there might be one that kind of jumps around, but a lot of the time they come out 
four or five at a time throughout like an hour or so. And then they disperse and go wherever they're going. Yeah. But there's times I've gotten out of my blind and I'm walking and all of a sudden there's, it's like set of eyes, set of eyes, set of eyes, set of eyes, set of eyes. And I'm like, okay, yep. okay this is getting a little creepy. It's I know intense. you need like, like this giant stadium light just to see what everything is. No, at that point, I actually like to go lower. I, I like the low, like I have one of those massive, not like massive, but like super bright headlamps. Cause I thought that would be something that I would want. Yeah. No, that is not what I want because that that's when you start seeing very far out and then all those little eyes just get farther away. Yeah. And I'm good. I'm good. I'd rather like be up on it and be like, Oh, a deer. All right, dude, chill out, go. Because <laughs> by then they're probably already noticing me, so I don't have to worry about. It. See, that was that was one of the wild things being on this trip out in Utah. Is normally like I'm on a side by side or a four wheeler heading back to camp during the dark. Like once it gets dark, on this one we might be hiking all the way across the valley to get back to camp, and the amount of eyes, like you said, was insane. Well, we found a couple dead sheep out there. And so I'm like, okay, there's a mountain lion or a bear or something killing these. I mean, I guess it could be coyotes. But there was one guy who gave us a ride up the mountain um, for the last, like, mile maybe of our hike in the back of his side-by-side. And he's like, dude, do you guys need me to leave you with a pistol? Like, I would not be out here without a gun because there's bears out here and a lot of them. And then hearing people talking about mountain lions, I'm like, dude, we're in prime country for a lot of, like, big predators And when I'm walking out and I flip that headlamp on, if I see eyes, I'm immediately going to the brightest setting because I'm like, I want to make sure that I know for sure what I'm walking up on in the dark. Yeah, that's true. In that situation, I might be a little bit more worried, but I don't know. I might even start carrying a gun in Iowa because there's been a couple of times. Like one time me and my kid were out checking cards because he came in town and we literally left I had, it was a cell cam. So we left after taking the card, came home. I had three different messages on my, uh, one of my cell cameras, like literally, cause I always park up by the road. I don't, I'm not one of those people that's going to drive through the field and go find a spot, park, and then go there. No, I'm walking from the road wherever I'm hunting. So that way I got a better chance of not spooking anything. Yeah. So we literally walked from that camera all the way up to the road. And literally, we seen a full, like, one of the neighbor's bulls got loose. So, like, five minutes after we left that camera, there's a full-grown, like, thousand-pound bull running past that camera. And I'm like, glad we got out of there, man. Like, Dude, bulls are sketchy. Like, my sister dated a guy, and I think it was either him or his dad that went outside, and they looked over, and they saw their neighbor dead on the ground and it was under like his bull. I mean, it was like the bull that he raised from a calf and it had, it had killed him. And the, the spot, the primary spot that I hunt in Missouri, he runs cattle out there and every now and then there's a big bull out there or a couple big bulls out there. And my buddy had to jump a fence like three different times because he was walking out there to get to a stand before the sun came up. And this bull came after him. He's like, dude, I tore my pants up, tore my leg up and my hands because I had to, like, run and jump over this barbed wire fence to get away from this bull that was coming after me. They're, yeah, they don't. I'd be curious how many people get killed every year by, by bulls because it's got to be – I mean, there's got to be quite a few. Like, they're not fun animals to be around. 
Yeah, definitely farmers because I used to help out on a farm and like when you would scrape like the I call it a barn, but it's like an open barn most of the time. So whenever you would scrape that, like whenever they were breeding, because it was a dairy farm, there would be like one or two different bulls in there with whatever ones he's got to breed at the time. And a couple of those ones, they you're in a skid steer. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. it's metal and you're like double the size of them almost. I've had them run into me in that thing. Just like, this is my house, dude. Just yep. get out. Just boom. It's like, all right, dude, I'm leaving. I'll come back when you calm down. Like, Dude, big cow species like that, like buffalo even, um, and then bull moose, that's probably one of the scariest things that I think. Like there's not a whole lot you can do if you encounter a bull moose that's pissed off. Oh, no, I, for me, I'm like, dude, than cars. if if a black bear came after me or a mountain lion or even a wolf, like you give me a pistol and or a knife or something, like I have a chance of survival. Like a bull, you would have to shoot that and make it fatal right away or you'd be screwed. Same with a bull moose. Like there's nothing you could do with hand tools against an animal that size that was in the rut and wanted to kill you. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, a moose, I think you might get a little bit better off if you actually hit it, like like you said, directly in the head or something. But I don't even think a buffalo would stop. No. I think if you hit, unless you got like, I don't know, a 44 or something huge, like you're going to have to basically point blanket, hope you dodge it and hope that it still doesn't have enough like seconds in its life to still run you back over. See, when I, when I go out to the property um, and hunt, if I'm walking out in the morning, I'm staying close to trees every time because I know, like, I don't know day-to-day when he puts the bull in there and when he doesn't. And so I just stay close to trees, and I keep my – dude, my head is on a swivel. I probably look oh, like man. a freaking lighthouse out there with my headlamp on, like, just constantly turning and looking for that bull because I, I can't imagine – being like a hunter and being in the back country and like going to Alaska and Utah and Colorado. And then I get killed by like a dairy cow. <laughs> that I would mean, suck. it would be a good story though, right? No, I'd much rather go by like a grizzly or a pack of wolves or a mountain lion. But dude, if a freaking bull in the middle of Missouri killed me, that would suck. I'd, I'd just tell my wife to lie to everybody. Pretend hey, I. Hey, you never know. You you might go out a legend. You might be the only person that was halfway famous that got killed by a cow. <laughs> there you uh, go. We know pe- there's tons of people that get killed by a grizzly that were known. Look at the grizzly man guy. He had a whole documentary. Yeah, that's true. But he was also an <laughs> idiot. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just figured I'd bring him up. Yeah, Carol Baskin's husband. I mean, he got killed by, well, probably Something. her, and then eaten by yeah. tigers and lions. <laughs> Something happened. Well, dude, I appreciate you hopping on, man. I've had a lot of fun chatting, and I'm excited to follow your journey and see how things go for you, see if uh, if that 107 acres pans out and, and what it looks like, you know, tucking that blind up in a little bit more cover. Um, but before we hop off, why don't you share with the listeners where they can find you, where they can follow along, social media, your handles, all that stuff. Yeah, um... I only really do Instagram uh, for outdoor stuff. Uh, Obviously I'm not an influencer because I'm super new and I have no business trying to be an influencer, (laughs) but I do have an Instagram where I post me and my wife post some like random clips of us going outside. There's a lot 
of different like hunting stuff like sheds stuff like that that i find like i said you'll see that deadhead and that's just fuller outdoor adventures f-u-l-l-e-r outdoor adventures and i do have a youtube that i never started because i figured i'd claim the youtube before oh yeah if i ever did get any followers you know i wanted to have the thing and not have to go some foa whatever blah 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 so yeah i do have a youtube if you want to go over there and subscribe eventually i do have some fishing videos i want to put together probably maybe in the next month or two but i'm not, still not great at editing so we're going through that whole mess but yeah that's about it definitely instagram is the main one if anybody would care to see and see if i actually get one down this year yeah no i'll definitely be uh following back and dude again i appreciate you hopping on I'm looking forward to following along. Yeah, man. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a great time chatting with Nash and hearing about his early seasons of getting out in the outdoors. Like, it's cool to hear that he's got so many cool encounters. Um, Unfortunately, as you do this, you know, you're going to have encounters with people and you're going to lose properties and you're going to have to find new places to get out and hunt. But that's all part of it and if you're in that boat just know there's there's other properties there's public land all over the place and it might be a little bit more pressured but if you can learn how to hunt deer on pressured public land you're probably going to be a pretty amazing hunter once you get to private land that there's no pressure on that you can maintain that you can manage and so it's it's crazy but we're in the swing of season already there's a lot of people shooting deer i've gotten to go out a couple times i've had a phenomenal season so far and just be ready for me to dive into that here in a very quick upcoming episode um yeah it's on so good luck out there hopefully you guys are having success staying safe getting cool encounters and until next time always choose adventure and god bless